Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Bichu Kosai. It is Shabbos Chazak. And according to the Chinuch, there are seven positive mitzvos in Parshas Bichu Kosai and five restrictions. Parshas Bichu Kosai has the first of the two tochachas that you find in the Torah. And the Ramban notes that the first tochacha, the one that we're going to read in Hashem this Shabbos, is the one that corresponds to the destruction of the first base Amikdash. And the second tochacha, as found in Parshas Kisavo, refers to the second destruction of the second base Amikdash. I have to tell you that in this first tochacha, you do have built in the nechama, consolation. And therefore, while the Torah says that because you did not keep the laws of Shemitah, the land willy-nilly will get its Shemitah, us, as the Torah says, tishbas ha'oretz, then, when you are not there, the land will get its rest. And rest during the sabbatical years when you neglected to keep Shemitah. But there is, as Rashi points out, a Mida Tova Yisrael quote, good news that is contained within this Tochacha. The Torah promises that when you are not on your land, the land will not be, quote, user-friendly for the nations that will be there trying to make a go on your land. Perechavav, Pasuk, Lamed Beis, Chapter 26, Pasuk 32, <clears throat> the Torah says, Vashimosi ani es ha'aretz. Hashem promises, I will make the land desolate. Vishamamu aleha oyevechem, and your enemies who dwell upon it, ayoshvimba, the land will be desolate for them. They will not be able to literally grow and produce on your land and pinch yourselves because we have seen the literal fulfillment of this pasuk that for almost 1800 years when we were not on our land you name the people they were there they tried and they could not succeed we lived to see Baruch Hashem, the fulfillment of this Nevoah, and just look at the miraculous Eretz Yisrael today. I'd like to focus on the closing two mitzvos in Sefer Vayikra, this is Shabbos Chazak, which deal with the mitzvah of Ma'aser Behemah. Now this is a most fascinating mitzvah, that of tithing 
the kosher animals. The Gemara in Bechoros 58b describes the process of tithing the kosher animals born to the farmer that year. He gathers them into a corral whereby there is a narrow opening whereby he passes them, each animal, individually. And what's attracting these animals is that their mothers are outside of the corral and they go and they're attracted to their mother's voices. Each one is counted separately until the 10th, which is marked with red dye, which is then designated as a korban and eaten by the owner in Yerushalayim. The obvious question is, why did the Torah prescribe such an arduous, difficult manner? Why not simply state that as the farmer is told, aser to aser, to give a tenth each year of his produce to the levy for Maserisho, so too is he to tithe his flocks. Let the farmer count, first of all, all his animals, and then let him deduct one-tenth for Maaser. This would save him many hours of painstaking activity of dealing with each animal individually. Rav Pam Zatzal quotes Rebel Yezer Gordon Zatzal, Rosh Yeshiva of Tells in Lithuania, who answered very sharply with the following psychological insight. Were the Torah to simply state that you are to tithe your animals, the farmer would instinctively react and feel, whoa, that the Torah is asking a great deal from him. However, once he counts each animal individually, he is saying, one for me, two for me, three for me, until he gets nine for me. Then after getting nine for himself, it's much easier to give the tenth as a korban for Hashem. There is a very powerful lesson that emerges from Maser Behema, and that is Hashem gives us so much and asks so little in return. And I believe that this is a theme and a refrain that we find in several places in the Torah. The Be'er Yosef in his commentary on Parshas Emor notes, as do many, of the integral connection between the mitzvah of Sviras HaOmer and the Mun. After all, the first place that we find the term Omer in the Torah is in regard to the Mun. They were told to collect, as we find in Shmos, chapter 16, Pasuk 16, and Omer Lagugoles. Each person was to collect an Omer of Mun each day. The period between Pesach and Shavuos is known as the Omer, as the idea of the Omer permeates this time, and that is the very special 
lesson of the Omer. And what is that? Says the Ber Yosef, do the math. There were at least two million persons in the desert. That means 14 million Omer of Mun a week. 56 million Omer of Mun per month. And 712 million per year. Multiplied by 40 years, HaKadosh Baruch Hu rained down from heaven billions of Omer during this period of time. When they came to Eretz Yisrael, Hashem asks that on the second day of Pesach, they should show their appreciation for the man by bringing an Omer to the base of Migdash. But not as we might have expected that each individual was to bring personally an Omer. Rather, the Korban Omer is a Korban Mincha, which is Tziburi, one Omer on behalf of the entire nation. And moreover, it was not even of wheat, the more expensive grain, rather it was of barley. A very powerful lesson, this refrain teaches the Be'er Yosef is that Hashem gives us so much and asks for so little in return. Note that on the day that Hashem created man, we're taught that Hashem planted a garden in Eden containing every tree that was pleasing to sight and good for food. In Bereshis, chapter 2, Pasuk 16, the Torah teaches that Hashem commanded the man of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Ochol tochel. This is the translation of Targum Unkelis. However, the Meshachachma understands this verse most differently. He believes that Hashem commanded Adam, giving him a mitzvah asay, a positive mitzvah, a chol tochel, to eat of the many permissible trees which he maintains would have protected Adam from then violating the negative commandment to not eat from the eight sadas. Once again, upon reflection, it's interesting to note that Hashem gave Adam so much and asked from him so little in return. This concept is further buttressed by the Yalkut Shimoni on Eov in Perik 41, Pasuk 1, on the verse, Mi Hiktimani Ba'ashalem, meaning, who preceded me and had anything that I should really reward them. For after all, the Medrash teaches that Hashem gives parents a baby boy and only asks for circumcision. Hashem gives us clothing and only asks for tzitzis. Hashem gives us a house and only asks for a mezuzah and a ma'akeh. Hashem gives us a field and only asks for payah. Hashem gives the farmer a bountiful harvest and only asks for truma 
and ma'aser. And concluding the way we began, this medrash, Hashem gives the farmer an abundance of flocks and only asks for a tenth in return. Now the truth of the matter is, this is truly a challenge. Why? The 611th mitzvah to the Sefer HaChinuch is that of the Olachto Bidrachov, to emulate Hashem. As He, so too we. In our performance of Chesed, we are to do more and more, emulating Hashem, and ask so little in return. And the reason I say ask so little in return is that often allowing the recipient of your chesed to return a chesed is in of itself a great chesed. And therefore, let me just close on a very practical note. Very often, Baruch Hashem, you're having guests for Shabbos, and they call and they say, ah, before we leave Brooklyn, before we come, etc., etc., can we bring you anything? And your immediate instinctive reaction is to say no, which, thank God, most often you probably don't need anything. If you think for a moment, and it won't be too difficult for them, say, ah, thank you for asking. By the way, maybe just bring some horseradish. It's not an expensive item, but the fact that they're going to go and get something for you is going to be giving them nachas ruach. It's going to give them a wonderful feeling of being able to return somewhat, somehow, a little bit of the favor. What a beautiful theme. Hashem gives us so much and asks for so little in return. Shabbat Shalom to all.